Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. We got a second microphone on stage today, so I can be twice as loud. No, uh, we get to have a baptism and have some testimonies today, and that's going to be awesome. So as you are getting settled today, uh, I want to direct you to two papers that you should have been handed as you walked in. One of them is our connection card. So if you're here for the first, second, or third time, or you've just never filled this puppy out, I'm going to give you <clears throat> 15 to 20 minutes, probably 25, uh, to fill this out, and then uh, drop it at our welcome table as you head out today, because we got a gift for you. So the doors are open. It's right on your left, and we've got some for you. Second one is this. Uh, next week is our kickoff service. And so leading up to that, we're going to have some prayer meetings to get our hearts right and ask God to come in and work at our kickoff service. He's the one who can do more than we ever, ever could. So uh, a bunch of the prayer meetings are talked about in this. And there's one each day of the week. They're all at 6.15 in the morning uh, before you go to work, before kids go to school for most kids and all that stuff. And if you're thinking, man, I can't make five prayer meetings next week, that is ridiculous. Make one or however it works in your schedule. But for all of us, I'm encouraged us take a step forward into this. All the info's on there. There's a QR code that you can scan in the back and it'll take you to a sign-up sheet. Uh, and I'm going to be part of it. It's going to be good. It'll be a good thing for our campus because we're asking Jesus to come and be involved next week. So today... We're going to talk about something that I thought I would never talk about. You know, it's the type of thing that's a bit in my past, but it's come back. Um, you know, whenever somebody starts a sentence like that, you're thinking, oh, it's probably something big, something bad, something ugly. We've got a picture of it, and it's actually none of those three. Uh, this is what we're talking about today. Media team is going to put this picture up. There we go. That lives in our house now. And the reason why is for lots of years of being a dog person and thinking that the only cat that you should have is just a small dog, uh, I found out that our dog doesn't really work that hard at anything, especially killing things that live in the garage. So she is old. She likes to lay there and not move. Meanwhile, we have found that there are lots of rodents who like to hang out in the garage and eat the food that I like to eat before I get it. So my plan is that. We're going to get a cat. And the reason why we're going to get a cat, well, we've gotten it. It's past tense. It already lives in our house. I saw him this morning. The reason why we got a cat is because the cat actually does something. Like, my plan is when the cat outweighs the rodents, which in our house, nothing gains weight. Um, it's still small. It can't wear a flea collar because it's too big for it. Eventually, the cat is going to be able to fight the rodents, and the problem is going to be solved. Like, there's a purpose to it. What's the purpose of this? Let me explain. So last week, we started a new series. It's called The Saving Life of Jesus because for a lot of us, the explanation that we are taught about who Jesus is and why he matters, I'm calling it, is kind of like hostage Christianity. Like you just have the destination. You don't always have the why. It's like the pastor comes, puts the Bible in your back, and says, hey, follow Jesus which is very similar to a hostage situation. What we're looking at are 11 reasons why we follow Jesus and why, like the cat, it works. And the one we're talking about today, I think is the simplest beyond anything else, beyond where you fall, whether you're religious, whether you're a God-fearing person, whether you're here because somebody invited you and you heard that we're having nachos afterwards. This one applies easier than everything else. And it's just like the cat. It works. Today, we're looking at Jesus the teacher. Jesus the teacher. It's perfect for today with everybody up here getting recognized for the sacrifice that you make Monday through Friday and honestly Saturday and most likely Sunday too. But, but to, to teach, to do this stuff. And with Jesus, his teaching is different for a couple reasons. One is Jesus speaks for God. 
That's the first and foremost. How we see Jesus as a teacher is Jesus speaks for God. There's, there's one point, and we read it this week in our shape, which is our church's Bible reading and journaling program. He, he's asking his guys some questions, and, and one of them says, well, we're going to follow you because you have the words that lead to life. Like, there's something different about you. Just like the cat, your teaching actually works. And that's totally true because Jesus' teaching makes our lives better and makes us better at life. Jesus' teaching makes our lives better and makes us better at life. We're going to look at one instance where that comes true in, in the life of Jesus and where we can look at the principles and, and the important stuff that gets talked about and drawn out in that, about how that applies to us today, because it makes our lives better and it makes us better at life. Like you can only hear so many messages about sacrifice, about turning the other cheek, about giving people the benefit of that, about forgiving, that eventually those are going to start to take root in our hearts and things are going to change. And so there's a story. We actually read about it, if you're doing your shape journaling. Uh, we read about it a couple days ago, and it's in John chapter 8. And it's a great highlight of Jesus as the teacher. And it starts like this in John chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, just like you. He's there early, he's first service. Not second service people, you're first service people. You're there early. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and said, teacher, they said to Jesus, so that's a lot of you. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? All right, if you're totally new, I'm going to give you a hint on something. Whenever Christians read stories about Jesus and the Pharisees, the Pharisees are always the bad guys. So if you just want to like kind of avoid saying the wrong thing to you, like anybody, wrong thing today, if somebody asks you about Jesus or somebody asks you about you and you want to like give them like, I don't know, a deep felt response that, that shows them I have a clue what's going on. You want to like tell them how they can pray for you. You can just say, yeah, I feel like I've been acting like a Pharisee lately. And they're going to immediately think that not only are you spiritual, you're humble, you're probably, like, you probably have good breath. Like, everything is the best. Because for every story about Jesus in the Bible, the Pharisees are the bad guys. Okay? That's the hint. In this situation, this one, this is page 951. It took them that long. In this instance, they're right. They actually say the right thing. They do the right thing. Never before have they done the right thing. And the thing that they do is they ask Jesus, well, what do you say? What do you say? For those of us here who follow Jesus, this is the type of question that shapes every decision that we make every time that we look at our life or somebody else's life or our, our world, our situation, life in general. The question is, Jesus, what do you say? And so there are three themes that constantly come out in Jesus' teaching. Three things that, that if we're going to reduce epochs and millennia of Jesus' teaching, we're going to reduce it to three things. The first of those is that Jesus teaches himself. Jesus teaches Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. That's the first point. That's the base, the foundation of it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that means everything. If you can imagine as part of your life, for us as those of us who follow Jesus, that means it goes towards God. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you recognize the reality that sometimes it's slow for us Christians to announce is that it's just flat out not that way. God doesn't give us a buy, like a hall pass to run our own lives and then on Sunday we get everything right. He says, I want everything. 
And the picture that he lays out for what that's supposed to look like is a kingdom. And Jesus talks about his kingdom. He talks about his kingdom more than anything else. And it's a picture of how we're supposed to live. And in that kingdom, we live with Jesus on top of everything. And everything that we do reflects him and goes to him. And so we do that as much in every way that we can think of. We live to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And for us here at Sunnyside, we want to see that happen here. We also want to see that happen places that are really, really far away from here. So I believe media team, we got a video. Let's take a look at how that's going to happen in a place that's nowhere near here. Just kidding. All right, that's awesome. So we also zoom in and make that happen here. I think when we hear salvation stories, and we're going to hear one in a little bit, we see that, that this thing about Jesus over everything isn't just a church thing. It's not just the places that we can't pronounce thing. It, it's a brick and mortar. It's our house. This is where we do life. This is our thing. And so right near you on every chair, uh, one of the kids who got here early because their parents are in the worship team put a card on your seat. And the reason they put a card on your seat is not a reminder for you to come next week. It's something for you to pass out. It's something for you to give away. It's an invitation to fall kickoff. And the reason is, is because there are people who know you and who know me who don't yet know Jesus. And we're not a perfect church, but we're going to do what Jesus tells us to do. We're going to invite people to join us for church to hear about Jesus. And tri-tip is a really, really good incentive to come. That's the type of thing for us to invite people into. And it's going to, if you're thinking, if I'm going to invite somebody, it better be a good service. It's going to be a good service. It's going to be the type of service you're really glad you invited someone to. Because we live Jesus over everything, and we let that take off from our lives. And before it ever goes international and far away from here, it has to start with us. It has to start with the way that we run things and the way that we live our own lives. And I was thinking about that today. Like, like, what power does a dumb little card and some meat and you have? None. Really. Let's just be honest. None. You can make the best pitch possible. If your neighbor or your friend or your son, your daughter, your parents aren't interested, they're not showing up. Let's be honest. But when we step into the things that God wants to do, then there is nothing in heaven, earth, middle earth that can stop what the Lord wants to do as we open our lives for him to put us in the lives of people who need to know Jesus. That's what we do. So we get to respond to that. Story continues, verse six. It says, they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Remember, there, there's the woman there who was caught in adultery and they throw her most likely nude in front of Jesus. And they're like, we're ready to like, punish this woman. And Jesus has to respond. What's he going to do? And they kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, the Lord said. That's the second thing right there. As we see, Jesus teaches his, his, his kingdom as Jesus above everything else. The second thing is the way that Jesus teaches is his grace that covers everything. Is Jesus above everything and his grace that covers everything. That's one of, the mo mo like one of the motifs that you continue to see throughout Jesus' stories is that there's a level of forgiveness 
that cannot be stopped, that will never be stopped, that from death, from, from the beginning of birth until the end of natural life, that we are loved by God, separated by God from our sin, but within that is the offer from Jesus to surrender our lives to him, to ask for forgiveness. And at that instant, Jesus moves in. He didn't come to abandon us. He didn't come to punish us. Instead, he came to step into our story and walk with us, bringing us from death to life, from sinful to forgiven, from lost to found. That's what we get to celebrate in baptism. Is it's a moment where we're going to see, and Natalie's on her way up right now, because she's going to share with us. Outside after service, people are going to go down into the water, and then they're going to come back up. It's a symbol of us dying to our old life and us being risen again to new life in Jesus. We're going to have another story later on. So if you're here, you're out of junior high, you've never been baptized, and you're thinking, man, this is my time, then talk to one of us outside or stop by the welcome table, and we'll get you locked in for October. And now we're going to hear from Natalie, and it's going to be awesome. Hello. I'm going to lower this. Yeah, I'm not that tall. <laughs> we guessed. It's early. That's okay. Um, so um, I wrote a little testimony, and I said, I asked Jesus into my heart during junior high. I was uh, with a close friend, and she took me to church with her every Sunday. At the end of the service, the pastor asked if anyone wanted to say yes to Jesus, and I said yes. Right away, I felt a relief and a new sense of purpose in my life. I had friends in school, but those things were never enough. Jesus had given me a new purpose instead of going through life, battling emotions that come with being a teenager. Jesus followed me through some dark times, and even though <clears throat> I put my blinders to not see him for a while, today I know he cares about me. Even if he cares the little things, it makes me feel ecstatic. I don't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I don't even have to do that anymore. I'm, le I'm the less stressed teacher at my school site just because I have it in God's hands. A classic um, 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better, for a triple break cord is not easily broken. God loves me, he fights for me, and puts people around me to encourage me. Today I'm getting baptized because this is the next step in following Jesus. You know, it's that moment where we're separated from God because of our sin. That's true of every person, Christian, non-Christian, any label you put on yourself. But what was so foundational for us who believe in Jesus is that Jesus came into the world to take care of that. The saving life of Jesus was lived on behalf of people like you and me who are broken and lost in our sin, and that's all of us. Jesus came in with grace, that's undeserved favor, that covers everything in our lives that's against God. So the story continues. Jesus asks her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And then Jesus says, and this is the part that gets forgotten so quickly. This is the part that we gloss over. This is the part that's difficult, and so we don't want to do it. Because hard things are hard. Jesus says to her, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Jesus is calling, he's demonstrating for this woman a grace that covers everything, and he's calling her to a surrender that includes everything. He didn't just say, okay, you're forgiven. Don't, like, like just, uh, let's just pretend this didn't happen. He says, I want you to go and sin no more. She has just met grace face to face, and his call to her is, I have forgiven you now. I'm inviting you into a new life where you don't have to live the way that you used to live anymore because there's hope now. 
He's not calling us to a halfway entry into the kingdom. He's calling us to everything every day where our whole life is wrapped up in Jesus. And if you're a Jesus follower here, then let's just be honest for a second. That's not us, right? No one here is going to have a perfect day today. If you're invited by your Christian friend and you're thinking, man, they, like, they look on today. Today, I bet they don't need forgiveness today. Today's just going to be awesome. We know that's not us. And what Jesus is calling us to is in the middle of the fact of us never being able to measure up, he's calling us to a surrender that involves everything, including every single way where we are naturally predisposed to run from God. And Jesus teaches us that that's where we find him. That's where we find salvation. We don't find it in our habits in the ways that we can do life better than other people. I mean, we find it in, in our weakness. We find it in the areas where we do not measure up and Jesus has to measure up for us. That everything, putting Jesus above everything leads us to a life of grace because we know that we don't do it. And that grace leads us to a surrender that includes everything. And what that does is that changes everything about us. Donna's gonna come up now and she's gonna share the way that Jesus has done that in her life. And again, after service, we're going to be outside for a baptism. It's going to be great. And if you're here and you're thinking, man, now is my time, talk to me or Pastor Aaron outside or stop by the welcome table and talk to them there. Good morning. I grew up going to a Catholic church. The traditions were an important thing in our family, such as praying to the rosary after a loved one has passed but I didn't really know who God was. Fewer did I have a relationship with him at all. In fact, I was in direct rebellion against God. I grew up in a toxic household. My dad drank a lot. I saw my parents fight a lot. This led me to being angry all the time, insecurities, disrespectful behavior towards my parents and siblings. I was partying and drinking underage, doing things I shouldn't be doing. I was tired of being the person I was, and I was unhappy. Years ago, when I met Jose, who is now my husband, he invited me to church. It wasn't just Jose, it was his mom and sister who invited me as well. I remember during worship singing, and I felt fully known. I felt the love of God and this overwhelming emotion at that moment. I knew God was real, and I knew he was, I knew he knew me. I broke down and I felt this urge to seek God. It was a time when the pastor from the church I attended prayed with me the prayer of salvation, and I asked God to come into my heart. I immediately felt a peace in my heart and weight come off my shoulders because I gave all my worries and problems to God. My thought process wasn't the same anymore. My actions and attitudes started to change, and my views on what was really important in life changed as well. Years passed, and little did I know I was still struggling with my inner demons. I am not perfect, and nor are we all perfect. I was still lukewarm, still doing things that I knew weren't right in God's eyes and my eyes. I wasn't walking with God as I promised God I would when I asked him to come into my heart. I am a sinner just like we all are in constant need of our Lord's grace and mercy. When Pastor Ken asked me if I wanted to get baptized, I was hesitant. I'm not sure why I felt like I wasn't ready. I wasn't walking with the Lord as I wanted to. 
So I prayed about it, and I asked God to show me what it was he wanted me to do. I seeked and seeked for him to give me a sign. It was a Saturday night. Me and my husband went out for dinner, and I had a couple drinks. Knowing I abused more than one drink, I went home that night full of guilt because what I did was sin. I had a dream that night. I dreamt of Jesus, and in my dream, Jesus was floating, and all around him was a shining bright light. And I couldn't see his face. Sorry. <laughs> because it was so illuminated. It was beautiful. And he was holding, he was handing me a bottle of water. I woke up the next morning thinking about that dream and what it could, meant, what it could have meant. I thought to myself, I must be really thirsty. I walked to the kitchen and drank two glasses of water. A couple days later, I had mentioned my dream to my mother-in-law. She had revealed to me this verse from the Bible that gave me chills all through my body. And in that moment, I knew Jesus spoke to me. It was John 4, 13, 14. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. But the water I give him will become in his spring, in him a spring of water welling to up to eternal life. It was the sign that I prayed and asked God to reveal to me. Today I come to the end of realizing I can't walk this journey without Jesus Christ by my side. And truly, we will never be ready. So today I am getting baptized because I want to truly commit my life to Jesus Christ and walk with the Holy Spirit. I am worthy, I am loved, and I am chosen by him. Thank you. He teaches us that if we live with Jesus above everything, that's going to expose our need for grace. That's going to expose our need for, for forgiveness. That's going to expose every single weakness in our life. He teaches us that. He promises us that. And as we experience that grace that covers everything, we experience a safety where we can surrender everything to the Lord, to our God who, like was said, follows us, our God who loves us, our God who forgives us, a God who in him we find who we are, we find our peace, we find new life and freedom and forgiveness and salvation. So the question for us is where do we step in today? I think the first place is, is for us to say, okay, I need to live Jesus over everything. And for you, that looks like salvation today. For you, that says I'm turning away from me running my life. I'm gonna ask Jesus to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I'm gonna become a Christian today and I'm gonna follow Jesus today. Are you gonna do it perfectly? No, no one does. But it's a moment of a first step to us to say, this is how I'm stepping into the story. Second question is us to, to say, okay, I, I need to realize that my worth, my story with God has to, be, has to be told with grace. That there's no way around our relationship with God without understanding the fact that Jesus died for us while we were sinners. The only way that we have a relationship with God isn't because of our list of things that we do but it's his one list of things that he's done for us. And that's to trace his perfect life for our completely imperfect lives, taking our sins so we take his righteousness. And for some of you, that's the challenge today is you need to realize with fresh, eye-open faith 
that what we have in our relationship with Jesus is because of him and not us. And the third thing is to live in a surrender that includes everything, which means we trust Jesus for the things that we can't handle on our own. We trust Jesus to fight the addictions that we can't fight on our own. We trust Jesus to heal the relationships that we can't heal on our own. And as we do that, we meet the teacher, Jesus, who lifts us up, who tells us, you have met my grace. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. And then he empowers us for that. Let's stand and pray.